Welcome back to The Late Set. Greg Bryant here at member-supported WRTI. And I'm Buddy the Elf, also known <laughs> as Nate Chenin, editorial director at WRTI. Merry Christmas, Greg. Ah, uh, humbug. No, Merry Christmas to you, Nate, and everyone listening. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit later on, but Christian Sands brought us in with his Christmas Stories album and a tune from that God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen. There's a couple of merry gentlemen in the studio here today. Uh, maybe one slightly merrier than the other. Yeah. Um, you may or may not know this about my colleague, Greg Bryant. He is not the biggest fan of holiday jazz. This is true. I am perplexed. <laughs> I continue to have complete incomprehension at this stand. Because I am like, I assume some of you listening now, I'm way into it. I love this time of year when we start hearing all the the new and old versions of Christmas tunes, holiday tunes, um, new arrangements, new combinations. And then like, you know, just Ella and Louie and all the all the great old stuff too. I mean, come on. Yeah. What is what is your problem? I, I, I don't know. I, I think we take a reversal of roles, Nate. Whereas um, I've always admired you for figuratively your big ears. Man, you are the breath of this music. You know how to take it in. You know how to assess it. Sometimes the most um, you know saccharine thing it just won't get a pass from from Nate Chenin. But we've got this familiarity that we have to discuss in this Christmas thing. It makes us uh, harken back to earlier times. It makes us feel family and familial. But I think sometimes we just turn on that saccharine sweet thing too many times with these tunes. And I don't know, man, I'm just not really feeling the manufactured happiness in mm. a lot of this. Wait, are you, are you accusing me? of having a Santa-shaped blind spot <laughs> in my critical faculties? Is that what this is about? No, no, like, no. as long as you're adding sleigh bells on your groove, you get a pass <laughs> from me? Is that what you're saying? I don't know. I don't know. But let's. But we've brought some uh, things in the, the Christmas stocking to check out. And in just a little bit, we will be joined by two wonderful artists who have new holiday music out this year. Gregory Porter and Samara Joy. Okay, there's some really, really great canonical holiday jazz recordings, and I feel like there must be some that you dig out every year come around this time. Or, do, or are you so principled in your objection that you actually are like, no, I want nothing to do with that. I will only reluctantly play this stuff on the air. I will never play it in my house. <laughs> like, what, well. what is your policy? I think it's uh, what are the tunes that get me furthest away from seasonal connotations. Now, the message can be seasonal. The message can be, uh, you know, the Christmas message. But when I think about something like Holiday Soul from Bobby Timmons mm -hmm. or organist Don Patterson, those are just some jamming tunes I can put on in July if I want. Right, you know, it doesn't right. really matter if it's God Rest Ye Gentlemen or White Christmas. It's just not seasonal. This is so, but, but it is, it is inherently uh, seasonal. I mean, mm. it's, that's, that's the whole premise of the thing. <laughs> I it's, know. It's, I know. It's strange to me. All right. Well, we do have those classic titles and I, I assume 
I mean, Greg, tell me, you mm -hmm. will be playing of course. this stuff on the air at WRTI. So we'll hear maybe some Kenny Burrell. Yes. We'll hear some Ella. Yes. Um, what are what are a couple of other, um, you know, sort of either familiar or slightly slept on classic Christmas albums that you plan on dropping in there? Well, I think we've got to always point the needle towards uh, the Ramsey Lewis trio, often mm -hmm. overlooked. Mm -hmm. uh, their two albums for Cadet and Chess Records uh, will warm your ears uh, and your heart and give you that, that good feeling that you can put on uh, year-round if you want to. But I'm really intrigued, to be honest, about some of these 2023 offerings because I think they run the gamut between the familiar, as mm -hmm. we're discussing, and putting us in a bit of a different headspace to appreciate different aspects of the holiday right, this year. Right. Robert Glasper in December is his new offering. Well, if you didn't know this was a Glasper John, <laughs> um, yeah. all you need is about two measures of that. And, and it's like, oh, yeah. No okay. question. All right. Yep. There he is. We know him. Um, and I like what Alex Isley does with, with that tune. I mean, she's, she's bringing something. This one, this was interesting because it was kind of a surprise drop. Um, you know, we were already thinking about this episode and it, I feel like it just like dropped out of the sky and it was like, oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. and you know, as, uh, Robert has done on all of his black radio projects, this is a very guest laden, uh, proposition. There's a, there's a few others that I think we can quickly name check here. There is a, a an album by the saxophonist Ted Nash. Mm -hmm. Ted's album is called Holidays, and he made it with the vocalist Kristen Lee Sargent, a sort of a straight-down-the-middle Christmas offering. And speaking of straight-down-the-middle, there's also an album by the wonderful young pianist Isaiah J. Thompson. Yeah. Um, and Greg, we saw him at the Exit Zero Jazz Festival, and he played one of the tunes from this album, he which did. is which is a celebration of Vince Guaraldi's music for the Peanuts specials. So iconic. He is the sound of instrumental Christmas music. It's really hard to come behind Vince and put your personal and original stamp on something um, true. That, that, that he's done. Um, this is a good album. It's an album that I'll definitely be sharing uh, with our listeners here. But I was so mesmerized by Isaiah J. Thompson live mm -hmm. that I really want to hear his next non-seasonal effort. That's no slam on Isaiah. I just have to say, like... I'm just really feeling that live set that we saw. Yeah, and it's right, kinda, right. Yeah. I know that there is at least one new Christmas album this year that you can get behind. So let's talk about that. Yeah. The Yule Log from pianist, composer, arranger, George Burton. Philadelphia's um, own. Absolutely. I saw him 
a few months ago with the Desron Douglas band as they oh, came through yeah. Solar Myth. Yeah. And uh, there wasn't a roof left on the place. Um, everybody excelled. But my eyes were trained on George. And hearing and reading about why he did this album is just as important to me as how it sounds. Um, I share a commonality with him, uh, being raised in the church, but not really getting down with the corny Christmas tunes. Me more extreme, perhaps, than George. But he said, hey, I want to investigate what the liturgical tradition means to me and use that as a framework. What we want to do really quick is drop the needle on Some Children See Him. George Burton, the Yule Log, and you heard it here on The Late Set. But we've saved the best for last. We've come bearing gifts this year, folks. That's right. Uh, we mentioned at the top that we have a couple of guests. You're probably eagerly awaiting like a, a kid about to race downstairs and open those presents. You want to hear the goodies. Mm -hmm. We know. We're not offended. I have to say, one of the highlights of being here this far at WRTI has been the interview and the conversation that we had with Samara Joy and Gregory Porter. Let's check that out. I'll keep you warm in December Warm Samara, it's so awesome to see you and have you. Brother Gregory, it's awesome to see you and have you. Thank you both for making time out of your touring schedules. Who's that girl down at the bottom? What's her name? <laughs> <laughs> My name is Peter. No, there we go. <laughs> That's exactly what I was looking for. Yes. <laughs> hey. Both of these uh, luminaries have new projects. Uh, Christmas Wish for Mr. Gregory Porter. And Miss Samara Joy has Christmas Joy just out as well. And we're excited to have both of you uh, today. A little virtual toast here. Gregory, you're in Paris. And Samara, you're in Madrid. First of all, congratulations on these releases, um, and thank you for, for bringing this music to us, to the world. Before we go anywhere else, I want to talk about the fact that you are actually on a track together. This wonderful version of What Are You Doing New Year's Eve from Gregory's album. Um, and let's hear a moment of that track right now. Here comes the jackpot question in advance. What are you doing? New What are you doing, New Year's Eve, from our guests? of the late set. Both of them are here, Samara Joy and uh, Gregory Porter. Gregory, I know this was, was, was your album and, and your idea, but um, what went into picking this very song for you and Samara to come together on? The song has um, kind of this, uh, it feels like it's kind of New York, soulful, grown sophistication, right? And, you know, that's what Samara has in her voice. It just says that. It, 
it it it's there um, by both training and nature. And so when I had the idea to do that song, it was I didn't have anybody else in my mind. If she said no, I would have made her do it by some way. Like grandmother used to say, by a hook or crook. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, um, but she's great. And um, so just to have her put her artistry on on the song was really something special, uh, along with the orchestrations and and, and the guys. It's, it's, for me, it's, a, it's one of the best tracks on the, on the record. So she's, you know, it's wonderful. Such a beautiful spirit on that. And Samara, I wanted to ask you, like, what was that like to get that invitation from Gregory? You know, what were your thoughts when you were like, oh, I'm singing this song with him? Okay. I was like, shit, I was waiting for a call. You know, I, I, people have <laughs> been saying it, you know. And what's so wonderful is that I had my, my uh, first opportunity to open um, really for any artist. You know, that was my my first time opening for an artist was with 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 Gregory and it was at King's Theater in Brooklyn for the annual Valentine's Day show and people to this day still come up to me saying, "Oh my gosh, I remember that little 25 minute 30 set you did, you know, at the King's Theater in Brooklyn, you know, and it just so I'm very glad that our paths crossed then and I think it's a natural progression for us to yeah, to have happen. you know, to have us uh collaborate uh and have that soulful vibe joined together on this particular track. And I already love that song, so it was uh, meant to be. Gregory, I want to ask you uh, about another selection on your record, uh, but throw this question uh, to both of you, you and Samara. Um, all four of us on this call uniquely come from service and families with ministry backgrounds, so Christmas hits a little different uh, for us when we remember things. And the title track on your album, Christmas Wish, made me think of a lot of things about uh, my background as well. But I want to ask you and Samara, could you tell us maybe a memorable act of service that you guys were a part of? Uh, and then conversely, what is maybe the hippest thing someone has done for you during the holidays? Yeah, I think, um, you know, the, the, the story that I tell in the title track, Christmas Wish, it's not just something for poetry. It's something that we we actually did. On Christmas Day, my mother cooked turkey greens, cornbread and candied yams, sweet potato pie, uh, mashed potatoes. You know, I could go on and on. She filled the table with food. And all eight kids and her, we held hands at the table, prayed over the food, and then loaded it in the van. And we commenced to go around and uh, kind of in the worst, one of the worst, toughest streets in my hometown was Lakeview Avenue. We went and fed people on Lakeview Avenue. And then we took the leftovers home and we ate the leftovers from, from the homeless people. And, uh, and it's a special, special memory uh, for all of the kids, but really a memory for me that we, that we did that. I mean, it happened more times than just that Christmas. But um, that first time that it happened was really um, special. Yes, out of eight kids, there was somebody. There was somebody, you know, protesting. It's like, what? What? Oh, I'm ready to eat now, you know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but we had we had to wait, and then we had to eat after. And now it's a golden memory for me 
And it kind of guides my life. I'm, I'm kind of thinking that way in my mind. Uh, and it's, it, was a, it was a moment. It was a moment. Samara? I can remember the first time I did, I don't know the exact word, but you know when you go into a hall and you kind of, you cook for homeless people. Um, but I remember the first time I did that, I was in middle school um, and it was a part of, uh, with my church at the time, a part of kind of like a church community act of service. And I remember really wanting to be a part of it and really wanting to um, give. You know, I think my parents had already kind of instilled in us that the holidays are not just about giving and receiving gifts, although it's wonderful to present, you know, a token of appreciation to let people know that you're thinking of them. But it's always better to give of your time to people who may not feel that same love that you feel in your family. Like even if it's just one day out of the year, getting to feel that sense of being cared for, you know, and being served, uh, maybe even if they feel like they don't deserve it or something like that. It's a beautiful feeling to be able to participate in something like that. So I remember the first time that I that I participated in something like that, I got to fulfill somebody else's Christmas wish, even with something as simple as food. And I think that the something that has happened to me, conversely, you you asked what somebody fulfilling my own my Christmas wish. Um huh. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like Christmas now more and more it's become for me even though I just turned I just turned 24. I feel like more and more it's like it really is about family. I don't take it for granted. I don't take for granted that time. So my mom she'll get me like the ugliest <laughs> you know like a Christmas sweater or like you know, slippers that she saw online and stuff like that. And she's like, I, I, this is perfect for you. I'm like, yes, it is. You know why? Because you got it for me, you know. So it could be the simplest thing, but my Christmas wishes are already fulfilled when I'm around my family. This uh, story of a gift that, that was given to me, I call it my song, but it's actually a song written by my cousin. It's a, it was a family song. It's called In Heaven. My cousin that wrote that, I, I made some changes to the song, but my cousin that initially wrote the song, uh, her name was Darlene Andrews. She, she died this year mm. and she was blind, completely blind. And she knitted me a sweater, but she would knit based on how she was feeling. And so the left arm was shorter, like way shorter than the right arm. And it, it went down super long and the V-neck was, you know, came over to the left side. And I remember, I remember the sweater and being so amazed that she did all of this work for me, even though the sleeves didn't fit and the V-neck went off to the side, she couldn't see, but she did all of this work for me. And, uh, yeah, think of it. It's just, you know, wow. It's just, just really something. Ooh, that That is amazing. Man. Family coming together. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. That's really beautiful. You know, obviously I think about family so much when I hear both of these, both of these recordings because Gregory, because of Christmas Wish and, you know, your invocation of your mother. And Samara, in your case, about a year ago, I had the 
privilege of seeing your holiday show with the McClendons, with your family, and experiencing what that was like. Um, just all the love and and also like the teasing and, you know, everything that goes into that family vibe. Um, and it just feels like the holiday musical expression and the familial warmth and you know, love. It's all just inextricable in both of your cases. Yeah. And I'm so excited to go on tour again. After this tour ends, we go right into rehearsals for the holiday tour with my dad, my cousins, my uncle, and a, a beautiful band. There's nothing like a family blend. I tell you, that's oh, yeah. that family harmony has some extra step and spirit. <laughs> exactly. Yes, yeah, unbelievable. I think, did I hear your grandfather? I was like, what? <laughs> At 90-something? or yep, 93. He just turned 93. Unbelievable how soulful and smooth. Whatever my love thou hast taught me. He had a viral moment. I was like, I called him. I was like, Pop Pop, you got 5 million views on TikTok. He was like, TikTok? TikTok? What is that? Who the who the what a? You know? Oh, man. And then I I heard the the early recording of him, and I was like, whoa, where can I get that? I know. We're talking Philadelphia musical royalty right there. That's right. are both understood in the world as jazz singers and your musical capacity is it's bigger than that you know you very much are jazz singers but you're also so many other things and you bring these elements into your music but the the holiday repertoire it feels to me like it gives you an opportunity to really go all the way because these songs, there's such a legacy of like Motown and gospel music. And, you know, I wondered if a project like this actually feels freeing in a way because of that different expectation. Like a jazz singer can sing a Marvin Gaye song or a Stevie Wonder song. And there's like, there's, if there was ever any eyebrow raising, there definitely isn't now. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think for me, um, I take this license because I'm on a on a mission to kind of not erase genre, but to bring the family of music together. I don't like the fact that a jazz musician or a jazz sound or a jazz lyric or a jazz light or a jazz joy can be separated from a blues lyric or a blues, you know. I think these are cousins that grew up in the same house. And so I'm interested in doing all of that music. I'm at home with jazz and in jazz. I'm a jazz singer, but I'm influenced by the cousins of jazz. You understand what I'm mm -hmm. saying? For, uh, you know, lack of, 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 of a better explanation, I think it's fair uh, to say that, yes, um, 
because it's a Christmas album, I have license uh, <laughs> to do a Stevie Wonder a song, a Marvin Gaye song, right next to a Nat King Cole song, right next to something that's almost, uh, you know, a song like Silent Night that's, that's nearly biblical script, you know? So, yeah. Mm -hmm. I feel that. And I, I think that um, when I do decide to sing in a way that's inspired by my other influences outside of jazz. It's not like I have something to prove or like I want to, it's like, yeah, I can do that too. It's like, it's already all a part of me, you know? And so because it's all a part of my musical identity, I don't feel like I have to be like, oh, it's Christmas time. Now I can really go off. It's like, I've been going hard all year, you know? <laughs> but <laughs> This is just, an, a, you know, just another peek inside what my influences are and how they come out and how, how much more of myself I can be, even with Christmas repertoire, with jazz repertoire, Christmas repertoire, my own lyrics, you know, each each mm -hmm. place. It's not like, okay, I got to turn on gospel somewhere. I got to turn on R&B. I got to turn right. on. It's all a part of who I am. Yeah. You know, both of you have experience singing new songs, original songs, but you both have also brought standards out into the world. And in some cases, to audiences that don't know these songs, you know, like it may be a, a Frank Lesser song or, you know, a Cole Porter song, but it's new to them, right? It's different when you're singing Christmas music because these are songs that everybody's heard their whole lives from the time they were little, you know. And so I wondered what you make of, of my, um, I have this sort of pet theory that, that Christmas songs are kind of the last standards we have in the, in the sense that everybody knows, you know, when, when you... Everybody knows, you know, look out as soon as you start into the song, people are like, oh, yeah, you know, and, and I, I remember when, you know, Frank Sinatra sang this one or I remember when. What, what do you make of that? Yeah, I'm it's it's um, it's actually a a thing that can be a bit daunting about. Jumping into. A Christmas record, these are. Not only standards that are, you know, well used by, you know, vocalists around the world. They're also well used by grandma and cousin Willie and a mother Mohassi and, you know, you know, understand what I'm saying? Everybody mm -hmm. been singing this for years. But the interesting thing about that's so cool about a Christmas record is there are people that want to hear these, in a way, uh, Christmas poems, these, in a way, Christmas, modern Christmas scriptures sang by their favorite singer. Yeah. And so, yes, that, that's, that's the beautiful and magical part of it. It's, it's they want to hear your interpretation of something. I mean, this is, this is the original jazz vocalist idea. It's, you know, we, this song comes out and we all do it, you know. All of the great standards, you know, you could you you pick. All of all of the masters gave it a shot. So you know, this is uh, this is just it. Now, there's an idea of going and finding, you know, the most obscure thing that you can find, and and uh, but it's also beautiful to sing something that everybody knows and everybody can sing along to. There's magic in that. There's family in that. There's familiarity in that. Uh, that's important too. When I hear both of you sing, I hear uh, not only fulfillment, but 
that you're both dreamers. And I guess professionally, artistically, uh, what are you dreaming for? What would you still like to realize musically or artistically? For me, the two go together. I think um, ultimately, yes, I'm, I'm super happy about great reviews and I really appreciate sellout shows and all this kind of thing. But ultimately, for it not to be work, for me, it's a mission. Uh, and so you say a dreamer, yes. Um, I'm optimistic about love. I'm optimistic about fairness and, and, uh, and uh, you know, equality and many of the things that are themes in my music. So when I sing them, I'm trying to get a story across. I'm trying to make people feel something. Uh, the byproduct of that has been awards and accolades, but I, I wasn't going for that. So the goal would be to continue to strike to the hearts and light people up and have them feel something in their heart about humanity, about togetherness, uh, about these these things that we're, we're, we've been trying to solve since the beginning of time. So here's an opportunity to make a Christmas record. What are you going to do? I love Jingle Bells. I love the super celebratory music that's just sweet. I love that. But if I have the opportunity to talk about the destruction of life, the hope and desire that it may pause at Christmas and New Year's, I'm going to do that. If I have the opportunity to sing about looking outside of yourself at Christmas and giving, maybe trying to help feed somebody, then I'm going to do that. So, yes, it's entertainment, but it's also a little bit of nutrition in, in that entertainment mm. as well. I want to jump in before we go to Samara, because something you said, Gregory, I was going to bring this up. It's so powerful to me that your song, Everything's Not Lost, introduces some of the struggle and suffering that we are currently seeing. And it could not be more timely, obviously. And you are confronting us with this, reminding us that this is happening and saying, so here is hope and here is some striving toward peace and urging us to love one another. And it felt really meaningful to me as well that you sequenced the album to go from this song into Someday at Christmas, which is a very similar message from across time. Um, that felt like you were teeing that up in a certain way. Is that is that right? That's absolutely true. And there's something about my personality. Um, you know, I, I, a therapist may call it being passive aggressive, to where you're like, you're saying something without saying something, you know what I mean? So yes, you got exactly what I'm trying to say. Um, in this moment, in this time, it's almost, you, I could almost say, yes, I'm encouraging you to think of peace, but I'm also shaming you to peace in a way. That would be the passive aggressive. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but you know, I, I've, I've been doing that in, in, in my music. Yeah. Um, Samara, I, I, I jumped in, uh, you know, the, Greg's question about the dreamer, but before we go there, I mean, do you have any thoughts about this idea of this time of year nudging people toward reflection, 
and community in that way as well? Um, I can't, I can't speak for how other people, you know, relate to that idea. For me, it definitely has, because I feel like I'm more aware, maybe this is a, a, a common theme amongst a lot of people, but I feel like I'm more aware of all that's happening in the world than I ever have been before, you know, and yeah. um, it's easy to just kind of fall into the bubble of like, I'm just going to be concerned with, with me and what's going on with me. The world is not my problem, you know. Um, but yeah, I just, it's like, I can't turn away, you know, from, from, and it's, it makes me feel like, what, what can I do? How can I educate myself and be more aware of, of all that's happening? What, do I, what is my part in it? You know, how can I nudge people towards peace in my own way, you know, without necessarily like, um, uh, reacting in, in anger and like lashing out because maybe I, I also feel terrible about my, my lack of, or about the, my ignorance to it, you know, like it's been happening all this time. Why am I, why is like now it's like my eyes have been opened. Um, so yeah, even though I've, I've, you know, seen, like many documentaries and like heard stories from my own parents and my own grandparents about the times that they went through and the the struggles and the, the protests and the marches and stuff like that. Now it's like, now that I'm aware, now that my eyes have been opened, how, you know, how can I contribute? How can I um, try my best to, I don't know. I don't want to cliche make the world a better place, but just, just how mm -hmm. can I do my part? That's all. You do. Yeah, you do. You know, just that, just, just that voice and brilliant <laughs> yeah. on stage is just like, wait. Well, you know, that, that is something Greg and I were just talking about. The two of you, you know, you, you have that in common. Um, you, you have a voice that, um, that delivers so much comfort and, and light and humanity and welcome you know what I mean? There's there's a kind of hospitality that each of you brings. I, I want to say whatever you're singing. You know, uh, I, I certainly feel that. I do too. And so it's a really wonderful fit at this time of year because these are songs of encouraging sort of love and comfort and togetherness and, and generosity, you know? And, and that's that's a thing that I, I hear, even if the song itself isn't expressly about that I, I get that from the way that you are singing thank you <laughs> you guys are amazing <laughs> just amazing <laughs> you know i i bet i bet uh, samara is the same um that I, i've said before in interviews is that that christmas exists in the air in the house it exists in the air for me samara's record nat king cole my record will be in the air coming from the vinyl player. Uh, the savory smells of turkey and sweet potatoes will be mixing in the air with that music. And it's a vibe, it's a feeling, and it even smells like family. Mm. It smells like a good vibe and a good time. And to the point where sometimes I put on music and I, I smell 
food. <laughs> I would venture to say, I would love if my music, when put on the vinyl player, would induce some smell of sweet potatoes and cinnamon and nutmeg and butter, you know? I wholeheartedly agree. <laughs> And I'm getting hungry already. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, th that makes four of us. <laughs> that makes four of us. Gregory, I know uh, when you first, you know, burst onto the scene to our consciousness, Man, you were on the the BB King tour schedule, three hundred dates a year, man, with you know no days off. But um, I wondered if you had any wisdom, maybe uh, touring the world so many times, uh, releasing these stellar albums as you have. If you had any tidbit of of wisdom or encouragement for Samara, whose last eighteen months I can imagine, and you'll tell us, Samara, have been a whirlwind. But um, what what could you maybe uh? Give us any, any, any tips for uh, the Gregory Porter Survival Guide. We had a moment to, uh, to sit down in the Netherlands uh, recently, uh, kind of just a brief conversation. And they had it scheduled for us to have this long, drawn-out talk and, you know, video. And, you know, and I asked, asked uh, Samara, I said, when is your show? She's like, I got a show in like three hours. And they wanted to use like two hours of that three hours. And I was like, no, that's not the way we're going to do this. I said, let's do this little interview as quick as we can. And let's get you to some rest before you have to do your show. You have to preserve yourself. You have to get your rest. And you have to give, give, give. But save your energy for what it is that you want to give on stage. Um, you have to protect yourself. My mother used to say to me, guard your heart for from it come the issues of life. And so you have to guard your heart as you travel through all of these spaces, places, with all these spirits in the air. And you have to, to guard your body and, and your voice, your instrument. So not too much cold air, you know, but at the same time, you're driven by this fire and this energy that you have a message a message, a message. This is not all just about collecting uh, the purse that exists at all the festivals and at all these venues. It's getting the message out. Um, and I'm thankful for the opportunity. I'm glad that Samara has found her soil. I'm glad that I've found my soil in which we can express this music. This is, you know, and I'm so thankful to uh, the history of jazz that it allows us to do that allows a place for this voice that's so classic. I'm pointing at you, Samara. That's rude to point, but that's what I'm doing. <laughs> a soil that exists where she can go into it, into it and grow. She happens to be a magnificent tree already that's just going to continue to grow. It's amazing, this soil that jazz has cultivated. I'm so thankful for, for you know, listen, I'm just, you know, I was an older cat when I came onto the scene. I had been doing it for a little while, but, you know, I've got a funny hat. I got a, you know, there's a whole bunch of reasons why there's some soil that I won't grow in. But jazz accepted it and it allowed me to grow. And I think I'm, a, I'm, a, you know, I think 
the fruit of my tree is all right. I think it's pretty sweet. Okay. So, you know, to speak in metaphor and poetry and all of this, yeah, listen, stop me from talking because I can keep going. Um, <laughs> but that all of that I'm I'm saying is 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 directed at you, Samara. And, and you are already you're already doing it. But guard your heart, for from it come the issues of life. Thank you. I, I think I just got chills. Samara, I actually want to give you the last word. Um, as a global traveler now, is there anything that you could pass along to uh, singers or musicians who are, you know, toiling away and they want to find their own soil as well. What have you learned and how would you encourage your fellow musicians? I feel like I've had to grow up a lot over the past couple of years, going from only having been on a plane once, you know, to uh, being in all of these different spaces and and talking about sound and, and repertoire and band leading. Um different relationships, you know, with my team, with the label and stuff like that. So my advice for any young singers out there who want to build a life of, of music and of creativity and of continuously uh, exploring their sound and being a student, um, I would say utilize this time that you have to focus on on what you want to do and what what do you want to try? You know, you have peers around you, play with your peers. You want to go out and see shows in wherever you are in New York and 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 build relationships maybe with your local community so that you can you can play whether it's in a coffee shop, whether it's in, you know, a, a restaurant, you know, use this time very wisely because whatever opportunity comes your way, whatever big break or small break that leads to a big break, you'll be ready, you'll be prepared, rather than waiting, waiting, waiting for this big opportunity to come, comparing yourself to other people. And you're not focused on on your strengths. You're not focused on building up your weaknesses. You're not focused on on networking, which but really is just like uh, tapping into the community around you. Um, because that's really what's going to help you get to whatever success you desire, you know, is the preparation combined with the practice, um, learning your instrument, being able to, because I, I, I'm sorry, I don't want to, I don't want to ramble, but like we, you can have, you know, as many ideas in the world uh, musically for what you want to do, but if you don't have the preparation, you don't have the technique, you won't be able to execute them. So you need both. Um, so, and I think that life in general is about strengthening both of those, strengthening the creative side fine-tuning your ideas as well as fine-tuning your instrument and, and the way that you play and the sound and the and the different stages of, you know, your sound that you go through. I'm not the same singer I was when I graduated, you know, and so I'm learning how to, uh, um, it's like I have, it's like I'm a baby just learning to walk or something. It's like, whoa, this is range. I don't know what to do. You know, I'm just like, <laughs> you know, so sometimes it all comes from, where did that come from? You know, so it just all comes out at once, but you know, as you as you grow, as you learn, as you listen back, as you um, think on where you are and where you want to be, just 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 I don't know. I I have a lot. It's like a lot of different sub messages in there, but the main one that I have is is to utilize the time that you have wisely and to build up your foundation. Yeah, talk about wisdom. Well, thank you so much, both of you. I have some sense of what your schedules are like, and so uh, I just want you to know that. 
over here at the late set, we do not at all take for granted that uh, you made time for us. Uh, it means a lot to us. Um, want to congratulate you both on these uh, Christmas releases. It's going to be getting a lot of airplay in my house. Mine too. <laughs> and I, I think that's that's true for a lot of people. Um, and so Merry Christmas and Happy New Year and all the best to you. Safe travels. I hope to see you both soon as well in concert. Be good. All the best. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. See you soon, y'all. The Late Set is a production of WRTI and made possible by WRTI members. It's hosted by me, Greg Bryant, and Nate Chinin. The show is produced by Alex Arif. Special thanks to Taylor Perry, Jem Korosman, and Pascal Bode. Be sure to check in with us next month for an episode all about the year in music. WRTI's operations manager is Joe Patty. Its director of production is Tyler McClure. Associate general manager for content and programming is Josh Jackson. And Bill Johnson is WRTI's general manager. Stop by WRTI.org to see everything else we're cooking up here in Philadelphia and beyond. And we're going to see you soon. <laughs>